Hijack engaged. Freestyle engaged. Pastors Allen and Michelle, everybody, come up, come up, come up, come up. Thank them. Louder, louder, louder. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pastors Appreciation Day, everybody. All right. You may sit. As you can see, the lovely people we just had introduced for Pastors Appreciation Day, guys. Amazing job they have done. This part right here, they don't even know what I'm doing. So surprise to them. Surprise to them. All right, we have a very special, special treat for you guys. Guests, I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and apologize ahead of time. This is a one-time. Usually, if you're local, come back next week, and you will resume regular service. If you're just visiting, just enjoy the moment. You'll be glad. All right, so this is going to be an engaging service, all right? Engaging as in I say something, you say something. Now, it's not going to be me. I'm going to be introducing six special speakers today. They're all going to have a little share in their heart and thank our pastors for what they have done, all right? Six special guests. So when they are talking, we need to make them feel a little welcoming, like we're listening, making sure, you know, we're engaged. So a couple things. A couple things, just like that, right? Like, they, they might say something that's impactful to you, you know, to your heart. And boom. Oh, man. That does stay in my heart. And, yeah. So, let's say something like, make the most of every opportunity for doing good. Amen. There you go. There you go. Let's try that again. A little amen or something. I'm going to say the same thing. I didn't hear anybody from this side. All right. Um, make the most of every opportunity for doing good. There you go, there you go. And my mom looted this, I get it over there. Oh, hey, hey, by the way, I am Jazzfear Graywall. I, uh, I, I have, yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I help out with the youth on uh, Sunday evenings. Hey, there you go, amen. All right, my mom is really good at this. If you know my mom, you're about to hear it right now. All right, here we go, 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 here we go. Man, you know what? Yesterday... I was telling somebody, you know, you know, God is good. Oh, she's the only one that said it. I heard an amen, though, but when you hear this, God is good. There you go. All the time. Now, they might not say all the time God is good, but if you just hear God is good, you know, in their speeches, because they're most likely going to say that, just yell it out. God is good. All the time. You know, just all the time. All right. So we got amen. We got all the time. Let's be engaging. Okay. Let's, let's, let's let these speakers feel loved because we got to make sure we're paying attention. All right, first one up is none other than a Bible study connoisseur. All right, this guy here, you get a sword drill is when you have a competition between two different people here and the Bible verse. You say, go to Ephesians 5.15. This guy will not only, like, kiss you on the cheek on one side and on the other side, slap you with some knowledge, but he'll open up and get there first before you even got a chance to get there, all right? He's a former Compass Youth Pastor. He is also my brother from another mother. He is a Wakandian diplomat, Keith Matthews. Thank you, Jazz. Very thank you. Yes, Wakanda forever, my friend. All right, so um, super excited for today, and just big thank you to the Isbells and everything they've done. 
this is going to be more of a half thank you, half message, because as I was preparing for this, I know they don't want to be doted on, have people doing stuff, because they're doing this out of the love of their hearts. So I want to make sure that anybody who's here would get a good message too. So we're giving everybody a few minutes, and I'm going to get sharing. So when I was preparing for this and was praying about what to speak, the word that God gave me when to think about the Isbells is obedience. And if you know their testimony, you know that they were obedient when they moved out to Oklahoma to attend Rhema Bible College, that they become pastors. They were obedient in serving on the ministry there, learning the ropes and growing there. They were obedient moving here to Auburn, Alabama to um, work with Auburn Fellowship under Matt and Rachel Wicks. And they were super obedient to sit and just love the people who were there, to fill needs as they came up and help out in any way possible. They were even obedient to wait to plant a church because their heart was to plant their own church and get things going. And there were times they were like, come on, God, now's the time, now's the time. But they were obedient to wait. And then finally, finally when God was like, now's the time, they were obedient to step into the roles as pastors in the leading Compass Church. So we are grateful and thankful for the fact that they've shown us what it looks like to be obedient. Amen? Amen. Oh, that's good, good, good. All right, so the name of my message is Get Yourself a Pastor. Turn to your neighbor and say, and get yourself a pastor. Turn to your other neighbor and say it again. Get yourself a pastor. This is super, super important. And two big points for my message are going to be looking at what encompasses being a pastor and then also what it means to be pastored. And to do this, we're going to look at uh, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3. And we're going to look at first what it means to be a pastor. And so for a lot of people, they think being a pastor is the person who gets up there on Sunday morning, gives the message, and then hangs out in the lobby, shaking hands and everything, and then get back up next week, and that's all they do. But after being around ministry and being in ministry for a while, that is literally like the tip of the iceberg of what they do. Pastors are out doing a whole lot of things, and First Peter really leave, 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 um, spells out what that means. So in First Peter 5, starting in verse 1, we have the following. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Peter lays out three traits of being a pastor, and the first is to shepherd their flock. This is things not just preparing the message on Sunday, because we all need that Sunday message, but they're the ones who you're going to reach out to when something hard is hidden, like you've got a family member in the hospital, or you have this spiritual battle going on. They're the ones you reach out to. They're the ones who you go to when you're having problems, and they sit and they love and shepherd you right there. The second trait, they are eager to serve. Just like Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve, your pastors have that same heart. They are there to be there on the forefront for any kind of outreach that you might be doing, for any kind of service project. They're there leading the way. Because ultimately, point three, they're there to model Christ. It's so, so important that they are modeling Christ with their actions and with their words. And this is what it means to be a pastor. And it's a hard task, but thankfully, we have pastors in place who are more than willing to encompass all these traits and step out for us. Amen? Now, you might be saying, well, Keith, that's great on being a pastor, but where do I fit in? I love when y'all like go and just give me my notes ahead of time and just kind of lead me. So that being said, we're going to talk about what it means to be pastored, and that is our part. So 
for a lot of people, especially in uh, the United States, church is, I float in the church on Sunday, I get a good word, hear some good worship, head back and do my life the rest of the week, and that's how church is for me. But if you're really going to grow in your faith walk, you have to be pastored. Let me say that again. To grow in your faith walk, you have to be pastored. There you go. There you go. Scared me on that one. So, to be pastored, what's what's that going to look like? First off, number one, you got to show up. You did good. You're here this morning. You're all looking great, smiling faces. You all look great. But not just showing up to church on Sunday. It's going to be showing up to Bible studies during the week. When we have fellowship events like the, um, oh gosh, bonfire and the festival next week, show up to that. Meet the other people in the church. Meet your church family. Get to meet the pastors. And then secondly, it's going to cause you to have to be vulnerable. Now, a lot of us don't like being vulnerable because we all walk in and we have our garbage, we have our junk that we bring in, and a lot of us think, if I go and share this, they are going to think horribly of me, they're going to cast me away. But I'm here to tell you that when you're vulnerable, your pastors are able to shepherd you better. Be open about what's going on in your life, where you're hurting, where you're struggling, so they know how to pray for you, how to encourage you, how to advise you. All important things of being vulnerable. And eventually this will lead to freedom from these bonds that Satan has placed on you. And then lastly, to be pastored means to be loved. And love, a lot of times, people feel like, oh, they're just going to love me and just sit me where they're at. They're going to do that. They're going to show you grace. They're going to show you mercy. But also be ready to hear some hard truths. And those sting because people don't like hearing, like, oh, you're doing this wrong. I need to change. No, it's super, super, super important that whenever you are being loved and you're being vulnerable, be ready for some critique. Critique is good. It helps you find your weaknesses that you may not be seeing and that other people are seeing. And when they see these and they can fix them and help you grow into what Christ has for you, you get to step into this fullness and your faith walk will grow. So that's my short talk, but thank you all and thank you to the Isbells for being that. Thank you, Keith. All right, next up. We've got, this guy just came back from a, let's just call it a voyage, compass, voyage, yeah. All right, this guy took light from the biggest lighthouse in the northeast area, and he's bringing it to Lee County. All right, he's also known as the pastor's kid. He's got spike ball expert, Hampton Isabel. God is good. There we go. Okay. So, um, whenever I get up to speak in front of people, which I don't do often, I'm always, I used to be scared that, I, that people would think that I look like my dad. Because I got that a couple times, and I didn't really like it. I don't know. I guess I wanted to be my own person or something weird like that. Um, but if, if, as I'm standing here right now, if, if you were to come up after this and say that you, think you look like your dad when you're preaching, I would say thank you. Because I now know how amazing that is, because I know how amazing my dad is. Um, I'll be honest, there was a time when I wasn't a huge fan of my dad. I didn't like him a whole lot. Um, but that's because I was seeing him for his imperfections and his mistakes instead of seeing through that and seeing the man he was. Um, but everybody has a destiny and everybody has a calling, and I believe that this church and him being the pastor of this church is part of his calling. But the funny thing about callings is um, the bigger the calling, the bigger the enemies that are going to come against you. And... Um, I think that 
when they started this church, some big enemies came against them. But see, the cool thing about my dad is he's a lot of things, but one thing that stands out to me is that he's a fighter. If you look at um, his past and then look at where he is right now, it's just a huge testimony to how big of a fighter he really is, and it's, it's truly inspiring. Um, Joshua 1, God talks to Joshua about the calling that he has placed on his life. And something that he says is he's, he's talking to Joshua about how he's going to go and take the land of the Hittites, and um, no one's going to be able to stand against him. And something that I saw in that was that God was telling Joshua that the Hittites aren't the real enemy. They're just something that's going to come against you along the way um, for you fulfilling your calling. And so when they started this church, there were a lot of things that came against them, and there were a lot of things that were going to uh, try to keep them from getting to where they are today. And the important thing, like I said, my dad's a fighter. The important thing is to know how to fight the devil and to make sure that you know that you're fighting the right thing. And, um, and I always admire my dad because he's always faithful and he's always uh, going after what God wants. And when he took that step of faith and when he stepped out to start the church, um, the devil saw that because when the devil sees you uh, moving forward into the calling that God has for you. He doesn't like it. And he wants to stop it. And so the devil tried to throw these things at him. And when, when the devil sees you, like I said, when the devil sees you moving into your calling, he wants to stop you. And so he's, he throws all these things in your life just to try to stop you. And so you have to know, you have to know how to fight the devil. And see, my dad was real great about this because when the devil throws things at you, say the devil's up here and he's throwing things at your life, you have to make sure that you're not fighting what's right in front of you. You have to make sure you're fighting the real enemy, which is the devil. Because if he's up there standing, standing up here throwing things at you, you can defeat one thing, but he's, gonna, he's still up there throwing another thing at you. And it's just going to keep coming and keep coming. You have to be able to see past that and see who the real enemy is and know the authority that you have and go after the devil himself. And so... Amen. <laughs> and so... And so my dad is a fighter, and so when he started the church, he knew, he knew what was coming. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that the devil was going to come after him, and, um, but he knew how to fight him. And so it's really inspiring to me because not only was it cool to watch, but it was cool to learn because I learned, I learned how to fight. You might not have known that, but I watched the whole process. I was there. I'm sure there were struggles that I didn't even know were going on, but I knew how it was affecting them, and I knew that they were getting, I knew they were scared at some time, sometimes, and knew they were discouraged, but just because you're scared doesn't mean that fear has to have you, and just because you get discouraged doesn't mean it has to have you. As long as you know how to fight the fight and know the authority you have, you can, you can push through it. And so um, I just want to say thank you for how much you've taught me. Um, through starting this church and all the things that I've learned. Um, it's a lot. And I want to say thank you for fighting when no one else wanted to fight and for believing and having faith when no one else had faith because that's special. And that's called hearing the voice of God and trusting the voice of God and um, knowing the real calling that he has on your life. And I think that's a rare thing, and I think it's really cool, especially because he's my dad. You know, he's strong, and he's, he's, he's a lot of things, but he's a, he's a big fighter, and he fights for this church, he fights for all of you guys, and he fights for me, and I know that, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. So thank you for being an awesome pastor and an awesome dad, and uh, I can't wait to see what's next for you. So.
That's my talk. Got him. Hampton. Wow. Yeah, one more. Man. Wow. Acrobatic. Amazing. I need him more up here more often. Yeah. Whew. That was a punch. All right. Next up. We're uh, two down, by the way. We got four more to go. Plenty of time left. Plenty. All right. Um, this guy next up is uh, host of the year, IMO. Any of young kids know IMO? Yeah. Who said that? Way back there. Yeah, a young kid back there saying that. I, uh, In my opinion, host of the year in Bible studies, guys. If you guys haven't been to one of them, go to one of them. Great. Wonderful. Uh, also known as uh, Altair, Kenway, Fry. Those were uh, some characters that he might have played in. Player of ukulele. You getting it now, who it is? All right, let's welcome everybody. Jordan. Ukulele. <laughs> I like Altair the best, just saying. Okay. <laughs> but, um... So one thing I've learned with churches, and I've moved a lot as a kid. My dad was in the military. We moved around different churches. What I've learned is the biggest thing is family. It's that connection you get with the people there when you get to the church. Because I've been to some churches where it's like you get there, the preaching's good, the music's great, but it doesn't feel like family and uh, when I was younger, I mean, every church we went to, I was blessed because every place I went felt like family. But as soon as I got out of youth group, that's when it got tough because at that same church, I felt isolated. I was like, I didn't have anyone there I felt connected with. I had a couple friends there, but it didn't feel the same. So we hopped from that church to another, and then the church previous to this one was great, and I know if few of y'all probably went there, but it was great. I got to know people and really connect with people, and it was awesome. And then it dissolved, and I was like, okay, hold on. I just finally got to like y'all, and it's gone? What in the world's going on? And I even got to know Alan. He helped when uh, I got to do parking lot duty. He was that guy ahead of it, and I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty cool. I kind of like his little faux hawk thing he's got going on. This is kind of cool. Michelle, I didn't know Michelle was even there. I'm going to be honest. I was like, Michelle, you showed up when this church showed up. So I was like, she's here. Wow. This is pretty cool. But one thing I learned from them, and Hamp, you nailed it. And I thought, okay, you read my brain somehow. I don't know how this worked out, but... Joshua, the first chapter of Joshua, came into my mind immediately when the Israelites, they've been going through the wilderness, and they were wanting to even go back to Egypt. And that's kind of how I felt. I was like, okay, this got swept out from under me with this church I loved, these people I loved. And when it dissolved, it felt like that rug got pulled out from underneath me. And I was like, what's going on? Well, Joshua 1.9 says... And they repeated this over and over and over. And how many of y'all know when something's repeated over and over and over and over, it's important, right? 
So in Joshua 1.9, it says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be terrified for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that's how these two went. They said, immediately after that last service, they said, hey, we're going to start a church. And I'm like, what? hold on, when did this happen? I was like, did this just happen like right this second? Like, how is this going on? And God moved and did so many amazing things to get this church set up. It's amazing. I, I mean, logical sense doesn't make sense in this case. God makes sense in this case. And he made some serious moves getting this church set up, but also in what they've had me and my wife do within this church. We help with and help lead the kids' church. Now, I'll be honest. When they first asked me, I said, hold up, what? You want me to do, time out. You want me to do what? Okay, I'm doing this point group, okay? That was kind of out of my comfort zone enough because I've never felt, at least initially, as a leader. But then they were like, hey, we want you to do kids' church. And I'm like, okay, I'd... I don't know about that. We don't have kids. The closest thing we've got is to my dog who's probably sleeping on my bed right now. Like, I don't know how this is going to work. But one thing that they taught me is the only way you're going to grow is when you get out of your comfort zone. It's just like going to the gym. Hamp, you know about going to the gym, don't you? And when you hit those weights, you're getting your muscles out of that comfort zone of sitting on the couch and playing Assassin's Creed, for example, you're getting and putting stress on it. You're putting a little effort into it. You're sweating. And that's what you're doing when you're getting out of your comfort zone spiritually. You might not feel like, oh, I'm not ready for this. Well, you're not, but God has put the strength in you to do that. And if someone else says, I think you can do it, you've got the ability to do it. You've got the strength God's put in you to do it. You need to take that step of faith and go and do it. And I'm telling you what, these kids that we've gotten to teach, oh my goodness, they're so funny. They, they tickle me so much, but they have taught me a whole lot. Uh, we got to talk about like prayer together and how powerful prayer was. That same day was when those tornadoes came through. And we came into with corporate prayer that same day. So what we taught the kids was what we were practicing in this church. And that's just amazing how when we get out of our comfort zone, we get to see those kind of blessings. And I can't wait to see what y'all get to do with this church. It's, this is just a foundation, man. Just wait until we get to see what we have in store. And I just want to say thank y'all. Y'all have been an inspiration, and I haven't grown this much spiritually in a long time. And I'm very thankful for what y'all have done and what y'all are going to do. If you want more of that man right there, Jordan, go on, on his point group. Wednesday here, 6 or 7 o'clock, dive, come here. He will sometimes speak some of those. Jordan, guys, very good. All right, next one. Is uh, specializes in uh, Korean sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stop, man. You already given it away. All right, all right. All right. He is uh, a father of uh, three children, husband. Uh, let's see here. Current Compass Youth Pastor. Huge deal, guys. That's where we get all of our energetic from. 
Alan Atterbury. Welcome. Thanks, Jez. Uh, Korean sandwiches, they're they are actually made with rice. The, the buns are rice. And you put the filling in between. It's a true story. Really delicious. All right. Well, I am the youth pastor here, and I get emotional on Sunday mornings. I don't know why. Like, my body just, like, shuts down. It goes, starts crying and tearing up. So I'm going to start now and then quit later. Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, I want to start out with scripture. I want to start out with John 10, 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And rolling on to John 15, 13. It says, greater love has no, uh, no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. <sighs> Hi, John. How you doing? All right. <laughs> But it's, you know, Christ's sacrifice for us was an amazing sacrifice. We can't even compare to it. But the job of a pastor is to try to compare as much as he can to it. And the life that they lead, the mistakes that they make, um, the love that they show us is above anything that we can think of. All right? It may not be a redemptive sacrifice that they have, but they are our example. And they are a light of what Christ has shown us through the, through the word. So who are our friends? Who are the friends that we talked about in that last scripture? We're talking about the sick, the hungry, the naked, the lost, your enemies, us. You know, he tells us stories about times he goes out and Hangs out at gas stations. I don't know. He's always hanging out at a gas station for some reason. And he's like pumping the gas. He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm going to tell you about Christ. And the, the, the joy that that brings to him, that, that even, if, even if they end up cussing him out, which some of them do, he doesn't hold back. He doesn't give um, 10%. He gives 110% all the time. Even when he's sick, he comes up here on Sundays. <laughs> listen to me. All right. Well, listen, the sacrifices that they make as a pastor, pastors, is their time, their freedom, family, <laughs> emotions, friends, finances. How many of you all know that pastors... He volunteers to do this. He's not getting paid. How many other pastors do you know who does that? I told myself I wasn't going to cry. Okay. All right. Okay. Back up. Back it up. All right. Bring that first slide up. All right. Here's, here's what a pastor looks like on a weekly basis. Uh, he carries burdens of the entire church. Comes up here and cleans. Comes up here and sends up messages. Fixes the chairs. Does all these different things that nobody sees. Just so we can be prepared, be prepared for here on Sunday morning. Pastors don't need our sympathy. They don't even need an appreciation day. That's for us. We got to remember that these guys are here leading us into the kingdom of God. 
giving us the word that, that, that has been um, put on their heart by God so we can, go, so we can just do our jobs. <laughs> what, what do we need to do? We need to do our jobs. We need not just to come here on Sunday morning, sit down, listen to preacher. Yeah, hallelujah, praise God, thank you. And then walk outside like he said and just live our lives for the rest of the week. Our job comes next. We go out and we spend time with our coworkers, our friends, our family, the people that we get around, the people at the gas station. And we deliver the message that has been given to us Sunday morning. We get, deliver what Jesus Christ has put into our hearts and we get out there and we serve. We serve the people. We serve our community. We serve at our work. We serve our families, and we get tissues. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and when that happens, and that gets back to the pastor, now that, that is what shows the appreciation. When he hears about what you're doing Outside of the church, in a good way. <laughs> it turns into this. Right? I'm going to see him do this at service. And by all this, like, every single thing he does, the glory is given to God. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church will all, will, well, well, are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. This isn't an easy job, guys. Being a pastor, you give up all those things, but being a pastor is not, not a calling that is taken lightly. It comes with a great deal of prayer, preparation, training, faith, mistakes, failures, blessings, joy, triumphs, most of all, a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Without those things, we don't grow. We don't become amazing people. And then we don't grow. Okay. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I have developed as a person, and as a leader, as a musician, a pastor myself, uh, and we've only been here a year and a half, guys. Uh, I mean, I, in my life, I'm like, wow. I can just imagine what you guys are going through. We went through three different um, cleanings at the church, big cleanings. The first one, and a handful of people. Second one, handful of people. We're like, oh, man, where is everyone? Where is the church? This last one we had, Michelle, mm-hmm. I, ca- I walked in. I was like, I don't know what to do. There's too many people here. Pastor, we got to get rid of those chairs. Okay, I'll call. He calls up. And, you know, we, go and deliver. we took five people with us, and it didn't even put a dent in who was here helping out. Right? God is moving. God is working.
from Miriam and us, we love you. Tears, come on. All right, we love you. We thank you. We appreciate everything you do and, and the word that God has put on your heart, the, the, the task that he's put on you guys, the fact that you were willing to give up everything um, and just volunteer to be our pastor. And the m- amount of time you guys put into that effort, we thank you very much. And it is custom. There always has to be a list. All right? So five ways to get rid of your pastor. <laughs> Sit up front, make eye contact, smile, and say amen. Once in a while, uh, every once in a while, and uh, he will preach himself to death. All right? All right? Encourage him and brag on his, on his work, and he'll probably work himself to death. Increase your offering in the church, and you may die from shock. <laughs> Offer to help out with the ministry of the church and request the name of a person who, with whom you, would, you could go share the gospel. Your pastor just might die of a heart, heart failure. Get the church to unite in prayer for the preacher, and it'll soon uh, become so effective that a larger church will take him off your hands. So my challenge is to you, let's try to get rid of our pastor. All right? Thank you. Very deep and emotional words from Alan Atterbury. Very impactful. That's understandable where you uh, don't say the amens and uh, preach because it's a very low moment. But we're going to have to change that up, but he did get us out of that. So thank you, Alan, for those kind words. All right. Uh, next up here is um, a mother of uh, currently four children in the house. Six total at one point. Ooh. I don't have any kids. I do help out with the kids in the back. I understand where Jordan's coming from. Like, what you want me to do? What? You know, helping out with the youth. That's a whole different set of kids. Sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. I can't believe that thing has come back. I remember that when I was in high school. Why is that back? I don't get it. Trends, fads. All right, uh, speaking of trends and fads, she's got to keep up with them because if she's ever-changing, ever she's got like two, three teenagers in the house. Uh, get your earplugs because uh, the contagious laugh ever, Mindy Decker, guys. Earplugs. Thank you. You're so silly. All right, guys. Um, so for, um, oh my gosh. Okay, so you have two emotional people back to back. Like, this is ridiculous. All right. Oh my gosh. So I don't know. Um, I know y'all know different aspects of um, Pastor Allen and Michelle's um, different ministries. But what I am talking about is funny because, like, a lot of them hit different things. So I'm just going to make mine short and sweet. And um, obedience is one of the big things. Because of their obedience, there has been so many lives saved. 
And, you know, I mean, the scripture says, you know, to look out for the widows and the orphans. And before taking over Compass Church, they were really big into helping out with kids from Ukraine, Ukrainian orphans. And stop, Natalie. Um, (laughs) Because of their obedience, we ourselves in 2012 adopted a child. And then because of their obedience again in 2017, adopted two more. And they themselves have adopted three. And so not only were their lives, our lives, and our children's lives impacted, but there were so many other children adopted through the program where they were obedient. They said, all right, you know, God, God put something on their heart. And they didn't just say, okay, let's just go do this without consulting. You know, they spent time in the word. They spent time in prayer of the how-to. And that's what I want to encourage you. Whatever, like Pastor Allen spoke last week about the call. Your calling, whatever you are called to. You don't just get the idea from God and just go without direction, without the how. And so it is important to make sure that you are developing your relationship with God daily to know the how, know the where, know the when, you know? Um, So anyway... um, I just wanted to tell you guys, thank you so much for your obedience because one child that was speaking up there, her life has changed forever. Five children that are a part of this Compass Church that go to church here are affected forever because of your obedience. And so I just want to tell you, thank you so much. Thank you for um, stepping up and doing what you're doing now. I know hundreds more of lives are going to be impacted. And even with this outreach thing that we are doing, this is amazing. Y'all, this is amazing. We are able to not only spiritually, but physically help people's lives. You know, um, all the way from, you know, Ben and Megan, you know, how we just came together and said, you know what, our people, we need to help. You know, we're going to go out to this community and we're going to say, you know what? God's people, we're going to help. And so I'm super excited. Again, thank you so much for your obedience. I love y'all so much. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you. It's true, guys. These, these Ukrainian kids that they adopted, such an impact. You think we're, they're doing the adoption for these kids to save them out of that place they're at, but man, the impact that it can have on you here is amazing because you see that, oh, we've got to help them, we pour everything we can, but it's a two-way street on that end. It's amazing. We've had plenty of opportunities. Uh, don't let those come, and, 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 and don't miss those opportunities. They will come where you can help in those situations. But uh, thank you, Mindy. All right, so next uh, is uh, none other than a uh, husband to the, the, the great Mindy that we just had. Uh, he's uh, the most competitive guy I know. Oh, my goodness. This guy, I call him baseball thighs. He loves baseball. He attempts to play basketball with me. 
But man, the most competitive guy, unbelievable, does not like to lose. Um, he, uh, fun fact, helped me uh, become saved many years ago. One of the many key members and members, persons in my life, huge friend of mine. What can Brown do for you, Stephen Decker? Hey, the Bible says uh, if you're going to run the race, run to win, right? So I've got scripture to back my competitive spirit up. <laughs> so I will lead you to Christ, but I will beat you in basketball. <laughs> or try, anyways. So uh, I, uh, I want you guys to look around in the room. We, we are a fruit. We are a result of faith. Of trusting God. And I know Hampton nailed it when he said that a lot of things that Pastor Allen and Michelle, they went through at the beginning. And I remember they, uh, they came to us and they talked about us about a few things. And, and one of them was, and, they, and there was never a worry. They trusted God. But one of them was legit. We got to have $1,000 for rent. Another one was something like another like 1000 for the power bill or something. It was crazy, right? And then turned around right after that, the... That was the deposit for the, the building, and then the rent was due right after that, shortly after that. So it was like starting the church, it was like crazy amount of money, and it started with an idea, and they trusted God. They walked in faith. I want you to know, church, I want to, encounter, I want to challenge you guys today. By trusting God, you will impact future generations just as they have impacted so many lives in this place, and this church exists, exists today because they trusted God, they could have easily looked at the finances and said, no, no, Lord, that's too much. Let's just go be a, church, a pastor at a church that already exists where we can get paid and be on the salary, and we ain't got all that worry we got to worry about. But they said, no, Lord, you're calling us to start a church right here in Auburn, Compass Church for a body that needs a shepherd. And they said, Lord, we're going to trust you. We're going to step out in faith. I tell you guys, faith is something I believe right here. If I sit in this chair, it's going to hold me. It's not going to fall. That's faith. We use faith every single day. I believe if I close my eyes, I take a step, the ground's going to be right there. Because we do it, we've seen it, it's happened. But when we walk through times and hard situations, and it's not so easy, can we trust God? That's what I want to challenge you guys today. I want to challenge us to trust God with our lives, with everything we do. Because Pastor Allen and Michelle, they trusted God for this church. Look at the equipment we have. Look at the chairs. Look at the elementary. Look at this building. We are a blessed church because they trusted God. We can see the fruit of it now. We can see the fruit of the faith that they had Back when we were sitting in the living room talking about this. I remember when we were sitting in the living room talking about starting a church and we didn't have the plan and we didn't have what we're going to do. And ultimately, we're talking about it with them, but this is ultimately on them. It's not on me and Mindy. So if the church fails, if they have anything in their name or whatever, it's on Pastor Allen and Michelle. It's not on Stephen and Mindy. It's easy to say in faith, yeah, let's do it when there's no responsibility on you, right? But I remember we're sitting in the living room and we're like, well, we can do it in somebody's living room and just have everybody bring uh, tailgate chairs. Look what God has done. That is faith. That is trusting God when you don't know what, how. 
when, that's trusting God when it doesn't, when it looks impossible. This church just happened to come available the day of the week, the week that we needed a building. This church came available. This church happened to have chairs already in place for us. We happened to already have sound equipment that we were able to use. Well, Lord, all right, that's faith. God provided all the way. And I don't remember who said it, maybe Hampton, but what God's going to do, what God's going to continue to do, Jordan hit on it, where we're going to be, we're still walking this thing out. And I'm just going to read a few scriptures real fast just to encourage you guys, because here's the thing. It's easy to say walk in faith. But if we don't have a promise to stand on, we have to have a promise. I think about the Israelites. Had they had the promise of the promised land. God led them through the wilderness. He split the Red Sea. He closed the sea back on the Egyptians. And yet they get out there in the wilderness and they have the promise. The promise is the promised land. They have the promise, but they get out there in the wilderness and they're Where's there's nothing to eat out here? I'd rather be back in slavery. I'd rather be back in the midst of all that mess that I was in before because I can't trust God with my life. But they had the promise. But how many of us do that? How many of us do that? We're like, well, if God split the Red Sea, I would trust Him. God put a roof over your head. They didn't have a roof over their head. God's put food in the refrigerator. They didn't have a refrigerator. He said it rained down bread from heaven. And you said, only get enough for that day. Don't get enough for tomorrow. That way you'll trust me tomorrow. Lord, I don't know. That's a lot of food right there. Might just put that in there. Trust God with our lives. I'm going to read a few scriptures. Proverbs, promises for money. And if this stands out to you, grab it. If you're struggling finances, let's trust God with our money. Let's trust God in our finances. Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man will abound with blessing, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Deuteronomy 8, 18. But remember the Lord your God, for he who gives the, you the, he gives you the ability to produce wealth. So, so, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to his ancestors as it is today. He gives you the ability to produce wealth. When you're in a situation, God, I thank you, you give me the ability to produce wealth. I thank you, Father. Hebrews 13, 5. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. God, I thank you. I don't have all the money in my account, but Lord, you'll never fail me. You'll never abandon me. Uh, Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruits each season. Their leaves will never, never wither, and they will prosper in all they do. All we got to do is meditate on the word. All we got to do is focus on you and you take care of us. Guys, come on. Can't we trust God with our lives? There's, there's, there's scripture. I've got so many scriptures on the healing. Worship the Lord your God. His blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you. Exodus 23, 25. These are promises that we can stand on. When you're facing hard times, when you're going through situations in life, these are things we can get to the word and we can stand on these promises, church. So here's what I want to say. It's easy to say we trust God when it's somebody else that has to do it. It's easy to trust God when you don't have to take the step of faith. It's easy to trust God when the situation's not bad. But when the situation, when you need healing in your body, when you need the money in your account, can you trust God? 
Whatever it is, maybe it's your whatever situation, there's promises in the words. You find the word, you find the promises, and you stand on them. God, I thank you that you're faithful. Father, I thank you that you love me. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get the worship team to come up here. And I'm going to close this out. But all of this is happening today because they trusted God. Because they were faithful and said, Lord, I trust you even though I don't see the way. I trust you even though I don't know how many people are going to show up. I trust you even though I don't know how much tithe and offering is going to come in. Lord, I trust you. The Bible says if you lack wisdom in James 1, 5 and 8, ask and he'll give it. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Father, I thank you that you're a good father. Right, church? Father, I thank you that you have my best in mind. So here's what I'm going to do, church, as as the worship team's coming up. I want to give an opportunity for a couple things. One of them, if you've never given your life to Jesus before, he's a good, good father who loves you. He's a good, good father who wants the best for you. And there's so many promises in his word that we don't tap into or we may quote it one time, but when it doesn't happen after that one time, we just quit and we give up. But if you've never given your life to Jesus and God just wants to encounter you, he just wants you to be a son or a daughter. I'm going to invite you to come up in just a second. And then the second thing, maybe there's something in your life and you can just come up to the altar and I'm going to come around and pray for you I'm going to get Pastor Alan and Michelle and and Mindy to come up we're just going to pray for you maybe it's something you said this is where I've been struggling I haven't been able to give God this and trust God in this area in my life but God I want to trust you in my finances I want to be able to give tithe and trust and know that you're going to be able to provide for me because your word says it it's a promise from you oh God Lord I want to believe healing for my body because your word says by your stripes we are healed not that we might be but it's already finished we trust you for salvation we can trust you for finances we can trust you for healing it's all a package deal so if that's you if you're one of those two if you need to give your life to Jesus if you need a touch from heaven if you need to trust God in a certain area of your life I want you to come up I want you to just lay it at the altar and we're just going to come by and we're going to pray for you so we're going to go into a song you got a song we're going to go to a song let's stand up let's worship you want you to come forward this morning father this morning we say we thank you for compass church we thank you father for pastor Alan and michelle father we thank you that they trusted you they trusted you when they didn't know have the answers of all the, the whole way but father they trusted you so father with our lives this morning god we trust you in our finances lord in our in our bodies father in whatever struggles father we trust you that you are our god that you are our healer, that you are our provider, that you love us, that we're your children. Father, you are good. You're a good father. You're a good father. We worship you. If that's you, just come on down. Don't wait for them to start singing. Come on down. And church, let's just worship right where you're at. As they go into it, as they sing, let's worship the living God who is worthy because he loves his family. He loves his children.